0: I love the fact that on our own there are so many things impossible. But with God, nothing is impossible. Amen? With God, nothing is impossible, and and I and I've come to and I'm preaching a message that I've I've that's um, um, really quite close to my heart, and I, and I preached it recently in, in Westport, but I've just really felt in this last moment in these last five minutes that God's taken my message that I had prepared and kind of crumpled it up and then and then thrown it on the ground, and He's picked up some pieces for me to preach again, and and so I'm just going to do that if that's okay with you today. I'm just going to preach preach pieces of this message that that was perfect, it was great, it was beautiful, but God wants to do something different, and 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 what I think that God wants to Say, is that his church is living in paralysis? His church is living. Paralyzed. His church is living weaker than it needs to be living. God's got might for us. God's got power for us. God's got presence for us. God's got impossible situations for you and I to solve. God's got answers to things that the world can't find answers for. God's got answers for homelessness. God's got answers for poverty. God's got answers for depression. God's got answers for suicide. God's got answers for addiction. And those answers should be found in the church. But because the church has been living in a space where the presence of God isn't the priority, because the church and I'm talking about as individuals, I'm talking about you and I as the church, because you and I haven't been living lives where the presence of God is the priority, we've started fixating on all sorts of little things that don't really matter. How many arguments do we get into about end times? How many arguments do we get into about tithing? How many arguments do we get into about serving? How many arguments do we get into about the volume of music? How many arguments do we get into about this, that and the next thing? When God is saying prioritize my presence because my presence brings life. My presence brings power. My presence brings about the miraculous. But the church is sitting down The church is sitting down, wondering when God is going to move. In fact, I think sometimes the church is lying down, wondering when God is going to move, wondering when God is gonna shift something up. Come on, it's time to step out of the paralysis. The presence of God is here. That means we can do that today, amen? We can do that now. I've got a scripture I wanna read to you. Um, It's one of my favorite New Testament scriptures, Mark 2 verses 1 to 12, and it goes like this. Good name, Mark. Good name, Mark. And it says this, a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers. Why? Because the presence. He was present. They gathered in, come on, come and talk back to me today. He was present. So they gathered in such large numbers. Why? Because Jesus was there. Come on, when is the church gonna be full? When Jesus is there. When is the house gonna be overflowing? When Jesus is there. When are people's lives gonna be full? When Jesus is there. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, even outside the door. I'm looking forwards to a time where those seats behind you are set out because the presence of Jesus is so thick in each one of us. The presence of Jesus is so thick that there is no room for anyone else because the people of Nelson are just seeking out his presence. I can't wait so we've got people standing outside the door trying to get in, and we've got to turn them to other buildings, other venues, with, so that they can be part of the overflow of what God is doing in here. And do you know what, church? There might be the dream. I can't hope again. There might be the dream, but it's possible when the presence of God is here. It's possible. How does the presence of God come here? The presence of God is within each one of us. But for some of us, we've allowed that part of us to be paralysed to just sit back. Oh yeah, I'll watch the young people do it. I'll just watch the ones up on stage bring the presence of God. No, no, no. You, you walk into this building, you're carrying something. <laughs> when you walk into this building, you're carrying something. Be honest with yourself. Ask yourself, what were you carrying when you came in today? What were you carrying? What was the, what was the priority? What was the priority? Did you come in... You, it, you're a Christian you've got the Holy Spirit living within you you're always carrying the presence of God but was that the priority of who you were or was there something fleshy when you came in to serve was it flesh or was it spirit because the spirit of God is here and when the spirit of God operates when he functions the paralysis when the paralysis is taken away wow so many things are possible So many things are possible. They gathered in such a large number that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came, someone say some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus. Can you imagine being the homeowner right here? Can you imagine being the homeowner? I own two homes at this time. One I wish I didn't own, the other one I'm quite glad I do own. The one I um, don't really mind if they do dig a hole in the roof, it doesn't really matter. Um, The one I live in right now, I wouldn't want them to dig a hole in the roof. But could you imagine, here you are, I can hope again. And you hear a scratching noise. And like, oh, we've got to sort out those rats. I can dream again. What's going on? you start thinking what's going on and awesome, some dust falls in your eyes and you're like, oh Jesus, what's happening? <laughs> you can say that. It wasn't taking his name in vain because he was there. He was like, oh. And then all of a sudden like the, the roof starts opening and in our situation, iron sheets are peeling back and the pink bats is falling through. And then you just see these faces poking through this gap and then all of a sudden this person's body just gets lowered through the ceiling. I don't know about you, but I'd be pretty mad. I'd be like, what are you doing to my house? What are you doing to my house? Some people say that this was, um, that, the the disciple Peter's house. And with Peter's anger problem, I'm pretty sure he probably said some choice words. But anyway, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, everyone say he saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. I want you to get this. Here's a man who's been paralyzed for most of his life, I think for all of his life, I'm pretty sure that's what the Bible says. Let's just go with that. He's been paralyzed for all of his life. He hears that Jesus is in the city. He hears that Jesus has come to Capernaum. He knows that Jesus is a miracle worker. It's gonna be a bit awkward right now, but he's just lying there. He's paralyzed. He can't do a thing, he might be able to move his head. And it wasn't until four people, four of his friends, decided that they would inconvenience themselves enough that not just would they enter the presence of Jesus, but they would bring their friend. (laughs) How many friends do you have right now that need a touch of the Holy Spirit? How many friends? How many friends? My my, my kids have schools full of friends. I've got a few friends. But we've all got friends that need the presence of Jesus. (laughs) but our faith is equally as paralyzed to theirs because I don't see us stooping down and picking up their problems. I don't see us stooping down to pick up their problems and take it into the presence of Jesus. We're like, oh no, 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 I'll, I'll go there myself. I can hope again, but you can die out there. I can, you know, and we spend our time hoping and dreaming when God is saying, no, 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 hope and dream for the people out there. Hope and dream for the friends that I've placed in your life. Hope and dream that the paralyzation in your life would not also be reflected in theirs. Come on, it's your responsibility. It's our responsibility, church, to usher in the presence of God, not just into a building on a Sunday morning. It's our responsibility to usher in the presence of God every single place we go. And the Bible says in this Scripture that people will flock to us because people are attracted to the presence of God. People are attracted to the presence of God. When Jesus saw their faith, oh, I got sidetracked. Jesus saw their faith. Here he is, this man lying out on the dust and probably begging for money. Someone probably had to feed him because he's paralyzed. And 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 his four friends come along and they're like, man, we need the presence of Jesus, but this guy needs the presence of Jesus even more. So I don't know what they do. Why don't they have this great idea? Oh, it's only a couple of kilometers to to the house where Jesus is, I think we could pick this guy up. So they grab a corner each of the blanket that he's lying on and they inconvenience themselves and they bend down. I mean, have you ever tried carrying like a person who's like all over their weight and they're just floppy? It's just like, it's difficult, right? So they pick him up and they scurry him to the house and they they get to Nelson College for girls and they see that the building is full. There's literally no room anywhere. There's like rows of people out the doors and and out by the gates there, the flags are there, but you can't even really see the flags because people are climbing on top of each other trying to get into the building. And these friends, they could have given up, right? They could have given up, but they thought to themselves, no, 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 something needs to happen for our friend. Something needs to take place. A difference needs to be made. So they found a staircase, which is a staircase out there. They climbed up onto the roof of the building and they just started peeling apart the building just so that their friend could get into the presence of Jesus. And then it goes on to say, it says, when Jesus saw their faith, he saw their faith. I wonder what Jesus sees when he sees our faith. Like Rachel's talking about the tithe this morning and and, and about giving and about generosity. Sometimes we think that that's the extent of our faith. Tithing is like the basic principle. It's like the easy part. It's living the rest of your life on call. That's the difficult part. It's not money, God doesn't care about money. He wants your whole heart. And when He's got your whole heart, that means that when you're at work, you're His. When you're at school, you're His. When you're on the street, you're His. When you're in the supermarket, you're His. That's the difficult part. Money is the easy part. Come on, we need to be a church that says, I'm not gonna be paralysed anymore by fear. I'm not gonna be paralysed anymore by insecurity. I don't care what people think. I don't care what the owner of the home thinks. I'm digging a hole right through that roof. I'm digging a hole because I want to see the city reached got sidetracked again. So here he is and they pick him up, they take him to the house, they lower him through and he's lying there. He's literally lying there in front of Jesus. This is his moment. Can you imagine what he's feeling? This is his moment. This is the moment that he's been waiting for all his life. This is his moment. I'm just gonna keep saying it. This is his moment. So he's like lying there going, this is it. This is it. This is us. He's all excited. And what does Jesus do? He says, son, your sins are forgiven. Dun, dun, dun. Because why? He's still lying there. He's like, what? Is that it? What I want to say with that is that what's going on inside of you is almost always more important than what's going on on the outside. <laughs> He's like, this is my moment. This is it. And Jesus is like, sins are forgiven. Wrap up the service. Thanks team. Let's go. Oh, the praise song. And the guy's like, excuse me, I'm still here. I'm still paralyzed. What's going on? And it's not until, it's not until the religious people, the religious people get upset and say to him, goes on, why does this fellow talk like this? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Goes on, immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. Again, it's about the heart. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? What is easier to say to this paralyzed man? Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, get up, take your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed every and they praise God saying, we've never seen anything like this. When the paralysis gets removed from your and my life, it causes people to look and say, we've never seen anything like this. Are you living a life that is blowing people's minds? Are you living a faith that is blowing people's minds? Are you living a story that is causing people to question their own existence because that's what God's got for you? God's saying, I wanna take the paralysis of your life and I wanna amaze everyone around you. You see, the, the culture of the day, um, the thought process was this. If you had any physical ailments whatsoever, it was punishment for something you had done or something your parents had done. If you had um, a crippled leg, man, you must have done something bad uh, when you were younger. You must have had some evil thought. If you had, bl- if you were blinded, man, you must have done something incredibly terrible or your parents had done something terrible and the, and the religious people of the day would judge you because for them it was all about outer appearances. So if you could walk tall with your beautiful robes flying behind you and say all the right words, that means that you're the perfect Christian and God must surely love you. And and I think we can get like that in church. And we come to church and we all have our beautiful smiles on. How are you this morning? It's so good to be in the house of Jesus, washed by the blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah. Amen and amen and amen. Hallelujah. Ushkabah and, and we, do all these, we do all these little religious things because it makes us feel a little bit more righteous, a little bit more pious, because we think that our outer is a reflection of the inner. The religious leaders of the day, it says Jesus looked at their heart and he knew that they were weak. Jesus looked at their heart and He knew that they were judging. Jesus looked at their heart and He knew that they were judgmental. We could be the same. Well, I come to church every Sunday. I know I'm not perfect. Nobody's perfect, but at least I'm not like those people out there. Uh, did you even meet my friends? Man, I used to be like that once upon a time, but look where I am now. And we get into this phase where, where, we, where we, allow that, we allow our friends to be paralyzed and we think it's because we're righteous and we kind of keep it out of the world, keep ourselves clean. When Jesus is like, no, no, you're actually living a paralyzed faith. You see, the, 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 the rulers, the religious leaders, the pastors of the day, they were looking at this man and judging him for his paralysis, but what they didn't realize was that they themselves were the ones that were paralyzed. You see, they thought that this man must have done something terrible because he was paralyzed. It was a sign he had done something terrible. He must have done something awful. And this is what blew their minds. This is what they couldn't get. Jesus said to the man, son, your sins are forgiven. And he was still lying there. So if his sins were forgiven, and if his physical ailment was a punishment for his sins, and if he says to him, son, your sins are forgiven, then why is he still lying there? Why is he still lying there? Why is he still lying there? He can't possibly, it can't, his physical ailment can't possibly be a reflection of what's going on the inside if Jesus has forgiven his inside, if Jesus has forgiven his heart. And we do the same thing. Oh, that person came to church and I saw them. They raised their hand at the altar call. They gave their life to Jesus. And guess what, Bart? I saw them outside smoking. <laughs> like, oh, Bart, they gave their life to Jesus. And guess what? I saw them wearing this outfit. Oh gosh, it left my little, very little to the imagination. I can't believe that they could give their life to Jesus and still wear that. Oh my goodness. And we think we, we reduce God's grace to behaviour modification rather than heart transformation. Well, how can He still be lying there? His sins are forgiven, but I still see Him lying on His back hurting. Jesus is like, you can, still, you can be forgiven yet still broken. You can be forgiven yet still in need of, 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 of physical healing. Come on, Jesus wants to touch the inside. He wants to do the inner thing so that the outer thing will take place. Increase starts on the inside not on the outside. And we sing songs, I can hope again. And we think we're hoping for what God's gonna do out there and God's like, no, no, hope for what I can do in there so that I can use you out there. Take me to a place where you're no longer longer paralysed. You're no longer looking at people going, wow, I'm so much better than them. I've got to reach them because they're dirty. I've got to see them saved because they just need a good cleansing from Jesus. No, no, no. Come on, I was once paralysed. I was once paralysed and I love you too much to let you lie there in the dirt on your own. I love you too much to leave you there. So I'm gonna do everything that I possibly can to see you reach. Very quickly, because... Um, I've preached, most of that wasn't actually my message. But very quickly, how do you know you're one of the friends and not one of the Pharisees? How do you know you're one of the four friends and not one of the judgy Christians? Four things very, very quickly I'm gonna bring to you. So write them down because they are awesome. The first one is this. How do you know you're like the four friends? This: There are people in your life that are getting closer to Jesus simply because they know you. Who is in your life that is getting closer to Jesus simply because they know you? Jesus was in the house bringing healing, bringing a word. The paralyzed man was over here and had no way of getting to Jesus on his own. His four friends come, pick him up, and he kept physically closer to Jesus due to no actions of his own. We expect the world to come to us on their own. (laughs) We expect them, oh, they've got to sort out their rubbish. I was gonna say another word and I'm glad I didn't because I might get judged. Whether they've got to sort out their rubbish, they've got to come to Jesus and and then Jesus will like give them new life. But we forget that actually, no, 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 we're the ones that are meant to leave our comfortable Christianity. I mean, I want to stay in the presence of Jesus all the time and fortunately he comes with me, but we we don't want to leave that little holy huddle to go pick up our friends and get ourselves a little bit dirty. Who in your life is getting closer to Jesus simply because they know you? If the answer is nobody, being blunt, it's a beautiful gift that we carry. Rachel judges us for being Dutch, but I love being a blunt Dutchman sometimes. If no one is in your life getting closer to Jesus right now, you're probably a Pharisee. If there's no one in your life going, this is it, you're probably a Pharisee because your faith is about you rather than about the people in your life. And you've got a paralyzed faith. I'm guilty of it myself at times. I've got a paralyzed faith. And we think that we've got it right because we're wearing the right robes. We're in the house. We think we've got it good. Jesus is right there. His presence is with us, so... We must be doing it right, but Jesus is like, no, no, no. He wants us to be like one of the four friends. If if no one in our if if, if people in our life are not getting to G, closer to Jesus simply because they know us, we're not one of the fo- we're not one of the friends. We're not a friend. The second one is this, and very similar to the first one. You are carrying people's burdens rather than just adding to them. The Pharisees were very good at adding to people's burdens. They were like, well, if you want to live a holy life, you have to follow these 567 different rules. And once you follow them 567, I've got another 1,033 for you to follow as well. And they would add all of these burdens, add all of these burdens. You'd think you'd got it right. You would think you were doing enough. And then, no, there's some more burdens. Gotta do this, gotta do this. Oh no, you lifted your pinky finger on the Sabbath day. We must cut it off. There was all of the stupidness going on. And we can be a little bit like that. We get on our social media, and we think we're being good little Christians, and we make these little rants about all these things in the world we don't agree with. I don't agree with homosexuality. Let's put it on Facebook. Do you think anyone cares and goes, wow, I just read that on Facebook, I must get saved. No, they look at you and go, I don't want anything to do with Christianity. Oh, I can't believe people live this way. I can't believe they live this way. And we put it all over social media and we think that it's helping someone and what it's doing is adding to their burden. What they need is someone who will carry them the way they are. (laughs) The way they didn't go. He didn't go the four friends didn't go up to the person and go, Well, once you repent of all of that sin and once you turn away, don't ever don't have that don't have that lustful thought. Don't do it. Or we won't take you to Jesus. No Mm. They didn't do that. But that's the way we approach evangelism. Let's just be loud. Let's just be louder about Jesus. Oh, Jesus, turn and burn. Turn or burn. Like, come on, turn from your wicked ways or burn in the fiery pits of hell. Like, that's not teaching people Jesus. What teaches people Jesus is when you go to them and go, you know what? Right now, I don't care about how dirty your life is. I won't even tell you your life is dirty. I'm just gonna pick you up. And you know what, when you, like, When you carry something, especially when it's something heavy, it typically kind of rubs off on you. So you might even get a little bit dirty. Pick this dirty person up and take him to Jesus. You might even get a little bit dirty. But Jesus is like, no, no, no. Be one of the four friends. Don't be one of the Pharisees who just wanted to get in the house because they they, they deserve to be there. Now be one of the four friends who says you know what I'm going to carry people's burdens rather than add to them. Who are you carrying church because people are with here's the thing here's the thing you don't have to pray about whether you should help hurting people. <laughs> what are we got ourselves into as Christians? I'll just pray about that. We'll just pray whether Jesus really wants my help. I don't, you don't have to pray about whether you should help hurting people. Jesus, do you really want me to help that person that's hurting? Well, I can't hear you clearly, Jesus. <laughs> of course Jesus wants you to help the hurting person. Of course he wants you to help. Of course he wants you to do everything you can to get that person into his presence. Everything you can. And the guys, I was thinking we'd just carry him and then just carried him for a couple of kilometers. The third one is this, people matter no matter the inconvenience people matter, no matter the inconvenience. We look at people as if they've got a due by date, like a project at work. This project, it's due on the 23rd of November. So when the 23rd of November comes, we've done everything we can. We put the project in. That's it. And we treat people like that. You know what? I'm going to do what I can. I'll I'll invite them to church once. Maybe I'll invite them to church twice. Then if they still don't come to church, I'll invite them to our e-group. But if they don't come to my e-group, then... I tried, it's like throwing pearls before the swine, turn or burn. Like, I've done everything I could, just turn or burn. You do your own thing. And it's so, another no, no, people don't have a due by date. Projects do. People aren't projects to Jesus. Even when there are 133, if they still don't know Jesus, we chase them down and bring them to Jesus. People don't have due by dates. The four friends were like, man, that, that, that we've got into the building and there's, there's crowds of people. There's no way we can get in. Even if we get in, we probably won't get to Jesus because all the other people in their wheelchairs will get there first and, 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 and we won't be able to and Jesus will be healing people from having deafness and blindness and this poor guy, we can't pull him through the crowd. They're like, it doesn't matter whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Have you done, have we done whatever it takes to get the broken into a place where they can see Jesus. Have we done whatever it takes or has it been too inconvenient? You know, to Jesus, to God, people are his greatest possession. Oh, but I, I tried and, and I prayed about it and I gave them a food parcel and I baked them some cakes and Jesus, that's about all I can do really. It's not my gift. Send the evangelist. send an evangelist out there. He can do it. He can tell them about Jesus. God's like, no, no, no. Your faith should inconvenience you. If your faith's very convenient at this moment in time, and at the blunt moment, you're probably one of the Pharisees. If my faith is convenient, if it's dotting all the I's and crossing all of the T's for my life, if I'm getting all of the goosebumps at church but not passing them on, I'm probably one of the Pharisees. Come on, your faith should inconvenience you. Final point, number four, is your faith has got to be visible. Your faith has got to be visible. It It's in, in verse five, when Jesus saw their faith. Imagine if there was no faith to be seen. Imagine if he hadn't been able to see their faith. Imagine if they had just done what everyone else had done and come to the building for themselves. You know, we don't come to church for us. It would break my heart if you left this place week after week coming to church for your own spiritual touch up and left and never impacted the city. That's not why you come. That's not why I come. I don't preach messages so you can feel good about yourself for the next week. Because chances are it don't, doesn't work anyway. Just little secret, pastor secret. Like, I can't make everyone feel happy about themselves after an end of a Sunday. There's always something going on. There's always something to complain about, isn't there, Christians? Always something to whine and moan about. Allow our faith to be paralyzed. And Jesus like, no, no, no. A faith that is real is a faith that is visible. It's not visible because you're up here on stage singing the right words. That's not what I'm talking about. It's not up here like being Bart holding the micro- microphone. That's holding the microwave. It's not quite gonna work. Holding the microphone. That's, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a faith that says, I get into the presence of God so that I can carry the presence of God. That goes back and down to our community and says, You know, I'm going to invite my neighbors for lunch even though they don't like me. I'm going to spend time with people that have previously just, just turned their back on me because of my faith. I want to make my faith so visible. Is it about what you do? No, it's not about the outer. It's not about the outer. Jesus proved that when he looked at the paralyzed man and he said, Son, your sins are forgiven, and he still didn't get up and walk. Jesus proved that he actually doesn't give a toss about what happens on the outside, he cares what happens on the inside. So no, no our faith being visible, it's not about being seen. No, it's not. But what happened, what the the, the outer is a reflection of the inner because the inner happens first. So if Jesus has touched your heart, if Jesus has truly touched your heart, if Jesus has truly touched my heart, then nothing will be too much. Nothing will be too much. Nothing will be too much because we're like, man, I know my friends, my family. They need to be touched by Jesus, they need to have his presence. Right now, they don't even believe it. Right now, I could tell them about heaven. I could tell them about hell and it wouldn't make a difference because they don't even believe there's a God. We've got to get away from that kind of philosophy where the way we witness is to tell people that they're going to burn in hell if they don't repent. There's no little kids in the room. Oh, there is one. I might not say what I was about to say because I'm not... No, I don't want to. I don't want to ruin his dreams forever. But we talk to people as if they're kids that believe in someone carrying a red bag at the end of the year, dishing out presents. And we talk about heaven and hell as if they believe. But to them, it's like, I don't believe that anymore. Why are you telling me I'm gonna get cold for Christmas when I don't believe there's a red man carrying a bag. And that's the way we approach evangelism. You're gonna go to hell. You don't turn. And they're like, but I don't believe there's a God. So no, I'm not. How do we make our faith visible? We make our faith visible by saying, you know what? There's nothing that's too much for me to do for you. I'm going to get myself dirty just to take you to Jesus. I'm going to pick you up even though it's inconvenient and I've already late. You know, it's already 10am and the service has already started but I'm taking you anyway. I'm moving you anyway. I'm moving you forward. Oh my goodness, there's a crowd out of the door. I'm going to get up on the roof. I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm going to break the building down just so that you can get to Jesus. I know that in the physical we can't go break this building down because it will be a nightmare. But what I'm trying to say is we've got to stop thinking that there is a time where we've done enough. If we've been touched by Jesus, but someone in Nelson hasn't, then we haven't done enough. Why is it because Jesus is about works? No, but it's because Jesus is about heart transformation. How do we change Nelson as a city? By changing its heart, the people. The government wants to do all of these great things, which is amazing, it's great. The the council wants to do all of these great things, but we know that the real answer to the problems lies in the presence of Jesus lies in the presence of Jesus. So maybe you're here today. And you're in the place where you've gotta make that decision, who do I wanna be? Do I wanna be the religious ruler who's got it all together and and the robes are beautiful, the smile is fake, the hands are lifted? Or do I wanna be the person who says, man, once upon a time I was broken. Once upon a time I was lonely. Once upon a time I was dirty. And I'm going to do whatever it takes. Even if they hurt me. Even if they won't help themselves a little bit. I've done youth work for many, many years like in Westport and I know there's a few other people who've done youth work in the rooms. They'll know exactly what I mean. Like you can do whatever it takes to see a, 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 a young person come to know Jesus and, and they encounter Jesus and the next day you find out they're doing something completely opposite of what they were doing on Sunday at church. And, and I think what that does for a person, for a leader, is it actually prepares them for mankind because you can get so impatient, hey Clarissa? You can get so impatient, you're like, man, fine. I showed you Jesus. I bought you fish and chips. We played soccer. We had a short devotional and it was short so it wouldn't be awkward. You responded to the gospel and got saved. And now you're doing what you're doing after everything that we've done for you. And it's so easy to just get out your little notebook, write that name in the notebook, close it, tried my best, turn burn. But Jesus is like, no, 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 no. Go back. Go pick them up. Will we be the Pharisee with the notebook that says, come on, the sins are countless? Or will we be the friend that says, I don't care how many times I've been hurt, I'm picking you up. I'm picking you up and taking you one step at a time closer to Jesus. You're heavy, your burdens are heavy, your pain is dark, but I'm taking you a little bit closer. That addiction I can't even understand, but I'm taking you a little bit closer to Jesus. That sin you keep falling back into, that man seriously I wanna slap you for, I'm taking you back closer to Jesus we have got a choice to make or well, maybe you're in the room and you're one you're sitting here and you're like man I'm actually paralyzed myself I'm paralyzed and and I know that Jesus has touched my heart I know I know that Jesus has touched my heart but my faith is in a reflection of that I want to say to you and I want the music team to come up the worship team we're just we're just going to go through that bridge and I can hope again and I want you to be super brave. I want you, regardless of which one you are, maybe you're here today and you you know you've got to make that switch between being a Pharisee and and stepping into what God has called you to live. Or maybe you're here today and and you know that you've been paralysed all along and and you just want God to to, to bring life to your faith. You just want God to touch your faith and to see it step into something new. If that's you, just as the team worships, I just want to say, get out of your seats. Get down your seat. Whatever it takes, get a little bit inconvenient with your faith. I know it's comfortable to sit back and not get into what's going on in the room. But the thing that'll make a difference is saying whatever it takes to get into your presence. You know, the team is here to pray with you. The team is here to, to just see God just do something in your life to minister to you. And I, and I wanna say to you, come on, nothing should be left undone in the presence of God. So thanks, team. Thank you, Lord. Just with every eye closed, every head bowed. I just want to offer this opportunity. His presence is here. If you're in the space and and you've never said yes to Jesus, and you're thinking to yourself, man, I, I want something of that presence. I want something, something more. If that's you, I, I just wanna offer you an opportunity to respond and just ask you, every eye, every eye closed, every head bowed, and at the count of three, I'm just gonna ask you to lift your hand. And, and I'm telling you, it's a decision that you will make that'll alter the rest of your life. It'll alter the rest of your life. Maybe you're in this space and, and once upon a time, you made that decision but life came and and shifted perspective. Life came and shifted some stuff around and and, and within yourself, you're like, man, I, I know I've walked away from God and I wanna come home today. I wanna live out my faith. I want my faith to be visible once again. If that's you, I wanna offer you the same opportunity. When I count to three, just throw your hand up in the air very quickly. This moment between you and God, I just wanna know who I'm praying for. It'll alter the rest of your life. If that's you, at the count of three, one, two, three, lift your hand. Lift your hand, I see that hand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Is there anyone else saying, Yes, Jesus, I want to come home? I want to come home. Well, let's just um let's just pray together, church. You know, we're a family, we do this together. Everyone say, Dear Jesus, we thank you for your love, for your grace. I stand in this moment and turn around and turn away from my past, from my sin, and I run head forwards into everything You've got. Thank You, Lord, for Your forgiveness, Your grace, Your mercy. I'm home, I'm home. Lord, we thank You right now that You're bringing people home in this space. Thank You, Jesus, for Your heart for people. Come on, give God a shout of praise. We celebrate Him, thank You, Lord. Thank you Jesus.